Welcome to It's All Her, the podcast for women who want to live simpler, better lives. I'm your host, Geordie Lucas. I'm the founder and editor of It's All Her. I'm a mum to a toddler and I was an actor in a previous life. Each week, I'm joined by a guest to talk about their life, their work, and of course, how they make life simpler and better. For the latest, head to itsallher.com or follow us on socials. Let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Behind Her Brand. This week, I sit down with the founder and CEO of Australia's first social enterprise ice cream range. Roz Caldor Aroni is an accomplished businesswoman who has created this award-winning Better For You ice cream that's giving back to the community in more ways than one. I sat down with Roz to talk about the voluntary redundancy that set her on the path to Alato and how she's making a positive impact one tub at a time. With summer recently coming to an end in Australia, I started by asking Roz how the year began for Alato. Actually, um, pretty good because summer for ice cream is um, a good time to sell. In fact, some brands, uh, you know, particularly stick brands, do most of their sales in the first um, uh, when there's during the summer months. Uh, we, we sell a tub product, and tub products tend to be a bit more evenly spread during the year. And in fact, sometimes when it's cold, you get a little bit of uplift because people are sitting at home eating ice cream while they're watching TV, uh, which we certainly saw during COVID. Um, so so it's it's been good. And we're still new. We've only been um, on the market for 18 months. So we don't even really know yet what our sales expectations are from month to month. Everything is still quite new, but we certainly saw increased volume over summer. So can you tell us a little bit about life before Alato? Sure. Um, pretty eclectic. Um, you know, I started life um, as a lawyer, although I did science and law. I was one of the few doing it at the time. And I majored in maths and um, chemistry and computer science, which is relevant because I actually studied some um, food chemistry while I was at uni, which became relevant later when I, if we get to talking about that for ice cream, because it became highly relevant when I learned how to make ice cream. Um, but I was a lawyer for 15 years in private practice and then in a corporate um, then went and became a manager at Telstra because I was working as a lawyer there and then went sideways and became a, um, a, a manager in the um, area to do with procurement and purchasing of um, technology at Telstra. And I was there basically for 12 years. Um, uh, and then um, they were handing out retrenchments at my level and I decided that would be quite a nice thing to do to get a package. And so I moved into something else. And that was, uh, I co-founded a not-for-profit uh, with a friend, which was a medical research not-for-profit. Again, science-related, mm-hmm. which was exciting for me. And um, I said to my husband, you know, basically, maybe now it's time to do ice cream because I've been working on it for a while. I'm getting comfortable. I've done some training. And he said, let's do it. Let's, um, let's turn it into a business. Um, so that's so basically a pretty eclectic background. And I'm sure all of that holds you in good stead for starting your own business has the has the passion for ice cream always been there for you really in the last 10 years um yeah it's uh, when I left because I was at, at Telstra um doing the um um, IT stuff. Um, when I left Telstra, basically, I, my sister was into ice cream a bit and making it. And we sort of, sh- I have an t- identical twin sister. Yeah, we were sharing recipes a little bit. And then my turning point was my husband bought me a, a recipe book uh, with ice cream recipes, but it was all mathematics at the back. 
and I couldn't mm-hmm. believe that I could combine a dessert because I have a terrible sweet tooth um, yeah. and I also love ice cream that I could combine that with maths it just completely blew my mind because I was being driven by the fact that I could use my very good math skills to create recipes um, and that's how I, I decided I needed more training I needed to understand how this worked um, you know I started reading other textbooks um, and so that's when it started really when I got this particular um, recipe book from my husband as a gift mm-hmm. uh, and that was um, about 10 years ago. And you launched at the end of COVID or just soon after Actually, COVID? Actually, we, we, we made a decision to start Alato before COVID, uh, but my turning point again was actually exactly when COVID started uh, because I went and trained in Italy um, in Gelato, uh, which was great. That's where I learned all the maths that I needed. Um, but uh, I then also was looking at the differences between Gelato and ice cream. Um, I then purchased a textbook on ice cream and I realised they were quite different and that Mm -hmm. gelato has a lot more sugar and less fat and ice cream is the opposite. Ice cream has a lot less sugar but a lot more fat and we now know sugar is the enemy. So I said to my husband, you know what, I think I've backed the wrong horse here. I really think I want to make ice cream, not gelato, because I really don't want to put out a high sugar product in the market, whatever it ends up being. And so in the meantime, I was writing to the author of the textbook Uh, on ice cream and he said come to my masterclass which was December 2019 just before COVID and so I went and did that and then we traveled a bit afterwards and I came back and I said to Benny you know I want to do the switch I don't want to make gelato I think our business is going to be ice cream which is was helpful Mm -hmm. because the whole point of this um, idea was to use my knowledge and skills in developing product to leverage it, to give back. And I said to him, you know, ice cream has the advantage of being highly scalable. um, And, you know, the cost of setting up a factory is really prohibitive. There's lots of contract manufacturers. And so it made sense if I was going to do ice cream, that I could do it at scale. And the more scale I had, the more um, I could leverage my knowledge and the more I could give back potentially. Because by that stage, I'd done a lot of research and we decided that the, the give back model that would work for us would be where we gave half our profits to a charity we hadn't selected one yet but soon after during COVID during 2020 we selected Oz Harvest because it's a really good fit for a food charity because we're basically wanting to use the enjoyment of ice cream to give back and obviously Oz Harvest are repurposing food and feeding the needy so it's quite a good fit and they were wonderful and very supportive of what we were doing so that was a great fit Um, so during 2020 um, we started talking to them uh, and by um, 2021 we were already kind of signed up so to speak um, so during 2020 um, we started development um, with factories um, with different um, you know opp- see who could actually make our product and it was actually fortunate because the, the company we ended up with um, had lost quite a lot of their volume because they were selling a lot of uh, ice cream to cafes and they were looking to take on something new. Um, so yeah. it was a really good time for us because other manufacturers were quite busy because obviously people started eating more ice cream during COVID. So this particular one was the opposite. They'd lost a little bit of business due to cafes shutting down. So they had capacity and interest. Uh, and it takes a while because obviously you're doing things at scale. And even though I learned um, when training in Italy that, you know, a very, that, that's, that um, ice cream, uh, that I develop on a spreadsheet because it is all maths um, can work perfectly when scaled from 
250 grams to two and a half thousand tons. Uh, nevertheless, there are limits, and that's what I needed to learn when I went yep. to the factory. So we had a few, quite a few goes because my small scale knowledge in the kitchen um, has got some limits. Uh, so the recipe still works perfectly. It's just the way in which you make that recipe that differs slightly. Talk to me about the process of manufacturing and, and you know, taste testing, because obviously taste is subjective. It's what tastes amazing to one person might not be amazing to the next. So how do you decide on the final taste? So um, I have um, an exceptional taste panel, which is or tasting panel, which is actually family members. So all through my journey, um, we have we we do a regular Friday night family get together where we're Jewish and it's quite a strong tradition. And so I have the toughest taste testers in that group that you could possibly want a whole range of ages from kids through to grandparents. And so they are my taste panel, and they've put me through incredible rigor, and they give they tell me it exactly how they see it. So I have my own mm -hmm. view, and I think my palate is quite. Um, fair and reasonable I think I've got a quite a good sweet palate so obviously I start with it and I if I'm happy yep. then I start testing it around uh, I've got my husband and my son and you know but this this Friday night um, tasting uh, process has been very very helpful because you know I get the whole age range and they tell me like it is but so far my palate seems to be nailing it because I haven't really, on, the, on our current range, I haven't really um, missed a beat. Everyone seems to really love what we're doing. Um, plus, I also have some consultants and advisors mm -hmm. and you know, I have to get through them as well. Uh, but they've been pretty supportive of everything I've done. And tell me a bit about the process of getting your product in store, because I think this mm. is something that really shocked me. It's it's actually really competitive and it, it's, yes. it's not a very simple process yes. or easy to yes. get your product in, say, Coles, Woolies? So the first thing we did is we found two very experienced advisors who um, have been in this game for a long time, including in ice cream, because ice cream is a bit specialised. Um, and their advice was to find a distributor who would get us into the independent supermarkets first to try and start building the brand. And so that was mm -hmm. the first step, was to try and find a national distributor. Um, and we, we spoke to a few um, but one of the things that I did, which I think was quite powerful and quite convincing, was I'm very confident about my flavours and how good they are. And so when we pitched to distributors, we made them do a blind taste test, my product up against the lead competitor blind. So they had no idea what they were tasting. And basically about 95% of the time, each of the people we tested like that chose my product over the major competitor in the same flavor and wow. so that was very powerful almost so that sold the product on its own because when they chose mine over the competitor they went wow that's amazing we chose your product yeah so that was um a really helpful foot in the door um and quite um quite powerful uh to get support um so that's the first thing i would suggest to anyone if they if they think they've got a product that's similar I mean, our features are really different to those competitor ice creams. So we're in a different um, a different sort of sub-segment really to each of those brands. But on taste profile, we're, you know, everything's about taste. So yeah. I think it is fair to put us up against um, an indulgent product that tastes delicious. Um, and in fact, in our product, you know, with Elato, you're not just getting deliciousness, you're also getting a whole range of um, better for you benefits as well but you would never know because it's just so premium and so delicious and that's what I set out to do mm. 
So we were fortunate. Uh, We've got a national distributor, which was, that's a huge opportunity. And then that actually leverages you quite well to go into supermarkets because um, the independents, um, you know, they get out there and they start pushing it into stores. The stores start selling it. And then you can go, next step for us was to go to Woolworths, to Woolworths supermarkets. They said we were just a startup too small for the big supermarkets, but they felt we were a very good fit for Metro because of our health benefits and being premium. And that's quite a significant target market for Metro and really build the brand very, very nicely through Metro as well. That gives us about 400 stores currently um, across the country between Independence and Metro. And we've done quite well in Metro, including we won for the very first time they've ever given this award, um, the 2022 Supplier of the Year for Metro. Uh, Woolly Woolworths have done this for many years, but never Metro. And so we were their first winner. So that was very exciting. And they've helped us quite a bit as a result um, with some um, you know, a bit of advertising and some campaigns. Um, yeah. And But I can tell you, first and foremost, anyone who's out there, it really is all about taste. And so if your product... And I, I, the other thing that's quite interesting, um, I've done a couple of um, shows, and particularly the one that's interesting is Naturally Good, where they have a lot of healthier products. And everyone couldn't can't believe when they try a product that it has all these better for you features because they expect it to taste terrible, and it doesn't. Yes, it's sensational. Including we've won lots of awards, food awards as well. We're probably the only mm-hmm. ice cream with better for you features that's won strings of awards because it's all about yeah. taste. So the the golden rule is. Taste is everything. Mm. And taste up against your competitors is also really important. You have to taste better and be better than your nearest rival. And I, my, my, yeah. my, my view on that is if you can hit both of those targets, you, you, you've got a good chance of getting um, listings. Mm. It's been noted that a lot of young women may not be consuming dairy products. So why is that? And then what are the potential health implications of not consuming enough dairy? Well, I mean, we know that part of the issue is everyone wants to eat plant-based, which is obviously a good thing. And there's, I think there's a general feeling that cows give off methane. You know, methane contributes to um, gas issues with climate change. Uh, so I think that, that there's a bit of a stigma around that at the moment. Um, however, dairy is also the the... the gives you the highest calcium absorption of any uh, food product. Um, it's very bioavailable with calcium. Plant-based milks, they're fortified with calcium, but the jury is still a bit out on whether that fortified calcium is going to give young women, young children, the um, calcium uptake that they need. And I, I certainly have gone on the record of saying that I think people should be very careful about relying solely on plant-based milks for their calcium intake because we just don't know. There's already research coming out of the US to show young women are already getting early uh, stage um, osteoporosis because of their lack of uh, dairy consumption. Now, some of that could be to do with socioeconomic issues. Quite apart from that, you know, you don't want to put yourself at risk of having to do that, having to have calcium um, injections, how to have, how to have um, you know, mm. other forms of calcium supplementation later on. And also, you know, if you broke a bone and you can't get it healed and mended, that's terrible. Yeah. That's happening to women in their 30s in the US. So my message really is that dairy has the best bioavailability of any 
um, food containing calcium. It doesn't have to be milk. It could be ice cream, obviously. It could be cheese, um, yogurt, all of those things. And obviously plant-based is great, but I still think it has to be mixed with dairy. Um, Don't rely on the calcium solely from plant-based products because it's a risk. Tell me more about the social impact you mentioned before, Oz Harvest. Can you tell us a bit more about that initiative? Yeah, so look, it was really um, quite challenging to work out how best to leverage the ice cream to give back. And we did look at lots of different models, including the employment model, but because we settled on um, uh, contract manufacturing um, uh, way of making our product, we don't control manufacturing, so we don't control the employment. Having said that, though, we are talking to the manufacturer about, you know, it's quite, there's, it's really hard to get people at the moment. And so that might be a good option for them. So we've been talking, I mean, we can't, um, get them to do that, but we're certainly broadening their minds yeah. and opportunities. Yeah. Um, uh, but we basically, we do a couple of things. Obviously, we're giving um, half our profits to Oz Harvest. Having said that, we're not profitable yet, so we give four cents from every tub to Oz Harvest, irrespective, because my, my greatest fear was if we didn't um, ever get to profitability, then I wouldn't have given a cent away, and that would crush me. Yeah. So that's why yeah. we're giving money as we go as well. Um, and obviously the more I can give, the happier I'm going to be. Um, uh, and so there's actually, if you look at our website, there's um, a count there where it shows we've given um, an equivalent of 6,500 meals. We're about to give send them another tranche of funds, so that will go up again. Um, so that's Oz Harvest, and that's we're very, very um, privileged to be partnering with them because they're an amazing organisation. Mm. And then that wasn't enough for me. I just thought, you know, if I can get flavour suppliers as well, who are committed to social impact, that would be sensational. So we also have a, very much a, an approach to um, suppliers that they are also sustainable. And so in this case, our chocolate comes from the Solomon Islands, from Solomon Gold, who give back to the local community and, and help establish the chocolate industry there. Um, Halala Vanilla, a very similar uh, company that started the vanilla industry in Tonga and very, very much support the local community there. And the final one is Change Coffee, they um, are owned by World Vision, so all of their profits go back to World Vision, uh, and they are uh, very much about um, sourcing coffee from uh, suppliers that you know are very committed to looking after their staff, and obviously all profits that they uh, make from us go to World Vision. So um, you know, so far, you know, then those suppliers have been amazing to work with as well. So they're the sort of two prongs um, in terms of giving back. But we're also made sure the packaging is uh, recyclable, uh, and yeah, we're looking at other initiatives um, that we can do. You know, to the extent they can fit into um, you know, a limited cost budget, because it all comes down to cost at the end of the day and price. Yeah, definitely. Well, all of the links will be uh, in our show notes, but I always finish off my my interviews with this question and, and it's mm-hmm. at It's All Her. We are all about making life simpler and better for women. How do you do that for yourself? Um, actually, uh, two ways. Um, the first one you might think is a bit weird, but we have, we're pretty much committed to using um, many different forms of um, Alexa from Amazon around the house. Um, and that saves me time with <laughs> time and weather and we also have a shopping list that my husband and I contribute to which we can do in any room of the house and we share it and combine it so that saves a bit of time and hassle I'm also very passionate about using a thermomix because I actually do feel it saves a lot of time for food preparation and especially with ice cream in fact the thermomix big plug for them was the reason I got into ice cream because I don't have the patience to stand and mix on a double boiler a creme anglaise I just don't have the patience 
uh, yeah. that's all our ice creams. The Thermomix, the day they showed me that you can make a custard by setting a button and walking away and coming back eight minutes later, it was the day I went, I'm doing this. Um, because I literally, for my recipes, you have to um, heat them up to 80 degrees C um, to sterilise and pasteurise them. And uh, if I had to do that over a stove, mm-hmm. I would never have started. So so the Thermomix is huge because you literally just set a button, walk away, come back, it's done, uh, saves enormous time. And then obviously food preparation in the kitchen for mealtime, also very good time saving, particularly if you're making soups, as yeah. people who have one will attest. Um, so, yeah, not a cheap uh, option, huge time saver, especially for the development of ice cream. I think any any busy working mum will um, be interested to hear about ways that you can t- save time in the kitchen. Mm. <laughs> all right, Ross, thank you so much. Again, all of the links will be in the show notes. Yeah, thank thank you, you so much and all the best with Alato. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Brand by It's All Her. If you have loved this episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen and I'll be back in your ears very soon.